Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. While you're standing just one more second, there's people tuning in from all over the world. We just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in to New Heights Church. Can we give a big hand to everybody that's watching online? We love you. God bless you. Give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. God bless you once again. Welcome to New Heights. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. It's real simple. I just preach to the love. Wherever I feel the love, I'll just preach that way. Somebody say amen to that. Hey, I like that. Open your Bible to 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. It's a great book in the Bible. You'll love it. We're going to get to a a couple of uh, points in just a minute. But I want to talk to you this morning about the uh, concept of name-calling. Somebody say, oh, name-calling. It can mean all kind of different things to all kind of different people. Pardon my cough drop. I'm going to save that for later. Anybody wants it, they're welcome to it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Name-calling. It can mean all kind of different stuff. When I grew up, I was really into sports. Who here likes sports? Just wave at me. I like all kind of different sports. I like football. I like football because, man, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of impact in football. It, 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 it's awesome. Uh, I like who I like in football. Matter of fact, I like the Dallas Cowboys. Somebody say. Did y'all feel God? Do you like, if you like the Dallas Cowboys, just lift one hand. If your hand is not lifted, you may leave. I'm just kidding. I love the Dallas Cowboys. I like golf. Golf's a great sport and for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons it's a great sport is because you can compare yourself directly to the person on the TV. You can go play the exact same golf course that they're playing, and then you will know just how good they are and how you'll know how good they are. Praise the Lord. Anybody see Tiger last week? Didn't he just do great? We were all rooting for him. He's coming back. I like the black shirt on, or the red shirt on Sunday. I miss Tiger Woods and those golf tournaments like that. But I like football. I like golf. And when I was growing up, my favorite sport was baseball. Baseball is a cool sport. Um, it, 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 it was one where it's a team sport. My dad was uh, almost always my coach, if not always my coach, uh, in Little League and whatnot. We just had a great time. But I remember when I was about nine years old, they put me in the league with the 12, uh, I don't think they were 13, but with the 12-year-olds. So it was supposed to be 10, 11, 12, but I was nine. They, they moved me up. You know, when you're in a small town, sometimes they move people different places based off of age and how many kids are around and stuff like that. And there was this one kid, he was like 12 years old, and he could throw so hard compared to all the other kids. Like, he was one of our pitchers. 
And he could just really throw the ball. And I remember our catcher on the team, he told our coach, which was my dad, he said, I'm not catching for that guy. He just throws too hard. No way. It hurts my hand. So my dad did what every loving father would do. He looked at me and said, get a catcher's mitt. I'm like, Dad, this guy is like in the dugout, and you told him to hurry up and and get out there. And he said, hang on, coach. I'm almost done shaving. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'll play catcher, Dad. (laughs) And I remember we, we would catch, but it was a different, for me, it was a different concept. Because I'd always played like second base, third base, stuff like that. And you don't get a face mask when you're playing third base. And they will hit that ball so hard that like your teeth start hiding behind your tongue. That's how hard that they'll hit the ball at third base. So when they gave me a face mask, I was like, huh, bring your worst, you know, because it just bounces off of you. You got all this gear on. And so from then on in, man, I was a catcher. I played other stuff, other positions uh, sometimes, but uh, I primarily was a catcher and, and went on to play uh, quite a bit, but it was a lot of fun. But I had to learn something early. Does anybody know what that there is a difference between like a ball and a strike? You know, when I coach uh, our son, and, and that's one of the things that you have to teach the boys when they cross a, uh, a certain level in the little league, is you got to start teaching them like, like you have to swing the bat, you know? Not my son. That boy walks up there ready to swing the bat. But, you know, some of you got to go, hey, look, like you do not get to go to first base if you do not swing the bat. Occasionally, you don't get to go every time. And the reason is, is because there's a guy that sits behind, that stands behind the catcher, and he has the authority to ascertain and make a decision on what that pitch is. So by definition... A, a, a pitch is a strike if it is at the right elevation and it crosses over to home plate. If, if you know what I'm talking about, just nod your head at me and be like, okay, that, that's, that's called a strike. No duh. Yeah, okay, that's what it is. But I found out that could happen and the umpire can still say something else. So it, this, this messed me up, okay? Because I'm, I'm catching and I'd be, you know, squatted down. And the pitcher would throw the ball, and I'd catch that ball. And it would cross right over home plate, right at the correct height. Everything was exactly how it was supposed to be. And I didn't hear the umpire say what he was supposed to say. Now, some of them say it differently. Some of them are like, Steve, right, one. (laughs) Some of them, they they just kind of (laughs) grunt. And you got to learn this stuff. Because if not, you'll turn around and be like, are you okay, bro? And there's like... One strike. Some of them, they, 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 they act like they're, they're in a boxing ring. They're like, hey, one. And then whenever, you know, it's strike three, if you swing, they'll just be like, he's out. But then if you don't swing and it's strike three, now they're going to make a spectacle out of it. <laughs> now, when I'm playing catcher and my pitcher is pitching, I'm down with it. I'm like... Play that funky music. <laughs> but when I'm batting and they do that, I'm like, bro, you are rude. <laughs> but I had to learn, even if the pitch came across the plate at the right elevation and crossed home plate, it was not a strike 
until the person in authority said it was a strike. I disagreed a lot of the time. And I'll tell you how I know if I agree. If I'm batting and they say strike, I disagree. If I'm catching and they say strike, I agree 100%. I don't care if it rolled up there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But the reality of the situation was where the ball crossed the plate was important, but the most important thing was what did the person in authority have to say? I want to talk about name calling. Uh, 1 John chapter number 3, verse 1 says this. Behold... What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called. Somebody say called. Called. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. What kind of love is this that God Himself calls us sons of God? So it's like God is calling us a strike, but we bounced all the way to home plate. It's like God is calling us a strike and the other coach, the the enemy of God, is going, are you blind? Don't you see the ball bounced all the way to home plate? And the umpire can look and he can say, listen to me, before it's over, I'm going to throw you out of the game. But this is a non-reviewable call. Nowadays, baseball games, they, they take... The average length of time for a Major League Baseball game is 732 years. <laughs> Take me out to the ball game. You go to the baseball game, you gain 32 pounds, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what happened. I just ate some popcorn between every inning. But they, they, they've lengthened the games, or they're worried about the length of games. And the reason they're worried about the length of games is because now they have they have the instant replay review, which lengthens the games a little more. And there are certain plays that are reviewable. If somebody's running to first base and they step on the base and it's a real close play, the guy catches it, the guy steps on the base and it's real close and the umpire says, say, they can review that play, slow it down, watch it on camera, watch it on on, on a screen and determine if the call was right. And if the call was inaccurate, they will... Reverse the call. But a ball and a strike is a non-reviewable decision. You can't go back and look at the tape. What kind of love is this? That he would call you his son and his daughter and then say, it's not even up for debate. You see, the devil is constantly trying to remind you of what you did because most of you, and I can tell just by looking around, you've done some stuff. Haven't we all? We've said things we're not proud of. We've done things we're not proud of. We're still dealing with some of the decisions that we've made in the past. And God is sitting there going, strike one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Lord, if I'm a pitch, I rolled in the dirt on the way to when I was caught, yet you still call me a strike. You still call me your son. You see, the reality of the play not being reviewable means the fact that you're his child is not debatable. 
There's no evidence that can be brought to the table. The devil cannot bring a photocopy or a video of what you used to do to the Lord and convince him otherwise because what happens is when the Lord looks, he's looking through a screen and that screen is blood red because everything you've ever done has been washed white as snow snow through the spotless blood of Jesus Christ. What kind of love is this that he calls you his child? It's a different type thing. I want to talk about name calling for the next few minutes. Number one, I'd love for you to take these notes down. Number one, God calls you his child. Stop arguing with him. When you miss the mark, that's the moment that you need to remind yourself that you belong to him. When you miss, oh, now we're not going to go and trample the blood of Jesus under our feet. We're not going to go and start acting like right is wrong and wrong is right. But when we find ourselves missing the mark, we need to understand that the Bible actually says he knew this was possible. He knew that it would happen. He said this. He said, the righteous will fall seven times, but we get back up. Somebody say, get back up. Some of you are about to get back up. Some of you are about to get into a new season. Some of you are on the canvas right now. But before you leave this service, you're going to get your step back. You're going to get your swag back. You're going to get your bounce back. Some of you are about to get back up. What happens is is the righteous, it's not that we don't fall. It's that we don't stay down. It's not that Jesus didn't die. It's that he didn't stay dead. It's not, listen, see, it's not the fact that we don't miss the mark. It's the fact that when we miss the mark, we arise again. See, David had to go down to the valley of the shadow of death. And the Bible says that while he was there, Goliath was screaming at him. said, I'm going to get you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to do all this other stuff. And the Bible says that David took five smooth stones with him. The only place you find smooth stones is stones that have been uh, over time whittled away and smoothed by the rushing of running water. In other words, David... David probably went to the bottom of a brook, the bottom of a creek, which is only in the very bottom of a valley, and he probably had to stick his arm under the water to find those stones. He reached down to the lowest point he could be, and he found the weapons that would be used in his greatest moment of triumph. What I'm saying is when you're at your lowest, God is delivering weapons for your future. You can't just be going through life and thinking, well, I feel like a son or a daughter of God, so I'm going to live like it. I look like a son or daughter of God. I haven't cussed anybody out this week. If you haven't cussed anybody out this week, just, no, just don't, don't. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you have cussed somebody out this week, no, don't do that. Stop it. Stay on course. Okay, I'm back. I hadn't cussed anybody out. Nobody cut me off in traffic. You're not a son or daughter of God when you feel like it. It's not a strike because it crossed the plate. It's a strike because the umpire said it's a strike. You're not a son or daughter of God because you got it right every time. You're a son and daughter of God because the love that the Father bestowed says you're a son and daughter of God. When you gave your heart to Jesus, there was no strings attached. It's an unconditional love that he bestows upon those that he considers his offspring. And when you get in that classification, quit trying to jump out. Quit trying to believe the lie that when you do right, all of a sudden you are a son. And when you slip, now you're not. 
The Bible says the righteous, that's you and me, those who have called on the name of the Lord. You're not righteous because of your own actions. You are righteous because the blood of Jesus Christ makes you righteous in the eyes of God. The righteous fall, but we get back up. Come on, somebody say get back up. Matter of fact, give God a big hand of praise if you're going to get back up this week. I sense a getting back up anointing coming on you. Number two, number two. Number one, God calls you his child. Stop arguing with him. Number two, the world doesn't understand you. And that's okay. The Bible says here, the world doesn't know us. Verse one, the world doesn't know us because it did not know Jesus. It did not know him. The world is not going to understand you. And that's okay. It doesn't make sense for a salmon to swim upstream. But the salmon swimming upstream is the only way that it reaches its destiny. The world doesn't understand you. It's not going to understand you. And if it does understand you, then, it, then what you're doing is not kingdom. Because the kingdom and the world are divergent. They're going two different places. <laughs> the kingdom's going to end up in the presence of God. The world's going to end up not. And when I say the world, I'm not talking about physically earth. I'm talking about the differentiation between somebody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, serves him, and somebody who does not. The world's not going to understand you, and that's okay. You don't have to look like the world to win the world. Matter of fact, somebody's got to know you can get out. Somebody's got to know that God will do it. See, you, let me just give you a couple of examples. And this is probably the place where I would give you some examples of your own if I knew yours. But I'll just give you mine. There's going to be some family that doesn't understand you. And that's okay. Even if, even if you have a phenomenal family, you may have some people that just don't understand. You're going to have some friends that don't understand you. That's because they used to know the different you. You're, you're not even the same thing you used to be. You used to be a sinner. Now you're a sinner saved by grace. You're not even a sinner anymore. You're saved. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. God doesn't call you a sinner anymore. He calls you the righteousness found in Him. Listen, He's calling you names that you're not agreeing with. He's calling you the head and not the tail, and you're talking like you're the tail. He's calling you blessed, and you're talking like you're cursed. There's a difference when you begin to put your words in congruence with God's word because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the power of life and death is in your, it's in your tongue, it's in your mouth. Furthermore, the power of life and death in your life is in your mouth. Power of life and death in my, in my life is in my mouth. There's only so far somebody else can take you, you've got to decide to follow after the things of God for yourself. But there's a difference, but, but there's a difference. But, because what happens is, is the world, it doesn't understand you. It doesn't understand the decisions you make all the time. It doesn't understand why you do it. And that is completely okay. Because if you constantly need everybody to understand you, you are going to be disappointed whenever they don't understand you and you have the best intentions in mind. You, you, you are doing something because you're trying to be kind, you're trying to be patient, you're trying to be forgiving, you're trying to do all, and then somebody lies on you. You're going to sit there and go, but they don't understand. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. 
and you pick up the phone and you call Myrtle and you're like, Myrtle, I need prayer. And that was a good statement. But you can't say, I need prayer and then gossip for 30 minutes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okie dokie. What's up, Jay? You can't, you can't call it something holy when it's not. Quit being shocked that the world doesn't understand you. For us as Christians, we've got to get to the place. It seems like this. We're willing to forgive everybody that sins against God but we want to excommunicate everybody that sins against us. What if he'd have done that with us? What if he'd have said, everything you did against your parents, I'll forgive, but the stuff you said about me, uh-uh. We cannot qualify the sin we're willing to forgive. The Bible says very clearly that he has called us his sons and his daughters, and if that's the case, you carry the DNA of God, which means you rep the family now. You represent the family of Almighty God. So a lot of the people that are in your life and circle, the only Jesus they're ever going to see is the Jesus on the inside of you. And if you act like they act whenever they say something offensive to you, how are they going to know you're different? If you're willing to forgive everybody that sins against God but the people who offend you, you hold a grudge till you know all eternity, they're not going to know that you're any different. There's some stuff that you're going to have to let go of if God's going to ever put something different in your hand. There has to be a shift. There has to be a Christ-like shift. The first thing, you have to stop arguing with God when he calls you his child. The second thing is quit being shocked that the world doesn't understand you. Quit being shocked that they don't get it, that you don't go to every party you used to go to. Oh, are you too good for that? You can think whatever you want. I love you. God bless you. I'm just not going. Well, I just think you think you're too high and mighty and you're too proud and you're too this and can't hang with these people anymore. Well, here's the thing. If, if they want to ride a slow train to hell, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Now, now, now don't get it twisted because the easiest thing, world doesn't understand us. Let's all go live on a private Christian island and we'll all listen to Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes and we'll get so filled with the power and the Spirit of God that we won't even have to walk anymore. We'll just float everywhere we're going because we're so holy and we'll never have to be offended and we'll never have to be stained by the stench of the world. We'll just be secluded on our private Christian island. doesn't work like that. You were rescued to be a rescuer. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. You were rescued uh, to be a rescuer. Up off the coast of Alaska, they got these guys, you've seen them on TV, the deadliest catch. They go fishing for crabs and, and they go and it's just crazy, right? When those boats sink or something happens, they send a rescue swimmer from the Coast Guard and they fly out there in these special helicopters and the swimmer gets in the same water that the one that needs rescuing is in. The difference is the, the swimmer never gets off the lifeline. And if they have to go away from the vessel or unhook, it always has the purpose of going to rescue but instantly coming back to the vessel. The concept of just going and swimming in sin is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
Sin will make a fool out of you. Sin is like a lantern in a hayloft. It doesn't look dangerous, but it'll burn your house down. Many people nowadays, from a Christian standpoint, we look at things from a standpoint, well, the world doesn't understand me. I need to do this. The only time that you're dipping down is you're dipping down with the purpose of rescuing. You're dipping down. You're not taking your safety and security of the things of God off just because somebody else is not comfortable with you making decisions for God. Just because the world doesn't understand you, that does not give you the right to become a recluse that never reaches out to the world. The vision at our church is super simple. If you know it, say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. The only way we can do that is the world's going to have to know that we really care. The world's going to have to know that we'll leave the safety and security of the mainland fly into tumultuous conditions, drop down into the icy grip of death and rescue somebody only to bring them back to a place of warmth and forgiveness. All because he has called us his children. Give God another big hand of praise. I'm going to close with just a couple more points. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 10 says this. This is talking about Jesus. It says he was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world didn't know him. He came into his own and his own people didn't receive him. Have you ever been there before? When you thought if if, if there was ever a day when my family was going to receive me, it was now, and they don't. Have you ever been there before when somebody that you really care about and you've done something for turns their back on you? Or you find out they've been lying about you or that they've been talking behind your back or, or, or whatever. The, the reason Jesus is so good at helping us is because he's been there. He made the world. How many of you have ever had your children, don't raise your hand, but you've had your children do things you're not proud of, wish they hadn't done. You know it's hurting them. You know it's a bad decision. You made them, but they're not following after what you taught them. Jesus knew this. He made the world, but the world didn't follow after what he taught. He said, he said, I went to my own. He said, I went to, my people didn't even receive me. So here, here is what he did, verse 12. He said, but as many as received him. Somebody say receive. receive. God bless the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Hashtag we didn't boys. <laughs> Wide receivers get humongous contracts and the best receivers go to the teams with the best quarterbacks. And what happens is the quarterback has to throw the ball. That's true. But that receiver's got to work to receive it because the whole time he's trying to receive the pass, there's a field of players that are trying to stop him from catching it. The truth of it is, is this. As many as received him, 
As many as said, I'm not going to let the linebacker and the safety and the cornerback stop what God's trying to get in my life. As a matter of fact, if I have to jump, I'm going to jump. If I have to crawl, I'm going to crawl. If I have to dive, I'm going to dive. But I'm going to catch and hold on to what is being thrown. Because the truth of it is, a pass is great, but a pass still has to be. You see what I'm saying? It's a different thing when you recognize. He said, everybody that received him. Everybody that was willing to go to war to get what God already paid for. Receiving is not just, oh, I receive, I receive. Sometimes it's fighting until the promise shows up. Oh, I don't know. I thought receiving, I thought God, God just floated everything down in a basket and laid it on your lap. When you say yes to Jesus, it's just tiptoeing through the tulips and, you know, everywhere you walk, you just hear the sound of music and it's just a wonderful, no, 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 You have an adversary and he's constantly trying to review the call. And that's where you've got to remind him the call is not up for debate. He called me his son. I'm not saying I've got everything right, but I'm not backing off of what he said just because you disagree. I have received the good news of Jesus Christ, and in receiving him, the Bible says he gave the power. Somebody say power. I love it when the Bible says power. I ain't trying to walk around with a God that isn't strong. There's plenty of those out there. Little weak, dead gods. I'm not messing with that. The Bible says to everybody that would receive him, he gave us the power to be called the sons of God. There's a lot of times my children, they're going to a store and and they'll, they'll go buy something. And when they go in there, they go in there with either my credit card or Crystal's credit card or they go in there with some money. But most of the time they go in there with my credit card and they'll go in and they'll buy something. And the reality is, is they're making a purchase based off the power of my name. When they walk into Target and say, I'd like to have a pack of gum, and they set it on the thing, and they take that credit card, and they swipe it through the thing, all of a sudden, Brian Hallam is paying for something that his offspring are requesting. He said, I have given every one of them that would receive the power to be called my son. That means when you make a request in the name of Jesus Christ, all of heaven and earth is moving, shaking, and shifting to see that what you have requested is done on your behalf. Because you're not outside the family. You're asking in the power of the name of the name that is above every name. The power to be called the sons of God. There's nothing else that you could think of that would be loftier than to be called the sons of God. The sons and daughters of God. Literally, he said, he said, listen, he said, the world didn't receive me, so what? He said, my own kind didn't receive me, so what? He said, so easy. I just threw it out there. I threw out one of those Hail Mary passes, and there was somebody that was just willing to jump and put it all on the line and grab a hold of that pig skin and hold it down. And to those that would receive, I will give them the power to be called the sons of God. There's a shift that happens when you just start agreeing with God. When you get involved with that righteous name calling. The name calling that says that you're above only and not beneath. 
You're blessed in your coming in and going, I don't feel like it, preacher. You say that all the time. I don't feel like it. Well, respectfully, I'm not talking to your feelings. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because the umpire of all umpires, the one with all authority, in whom when he speaks it is not debatable, has called you his son or his daughter. He says, as many as them that would receive it, I gave him the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The reason the world doesn't get this, the reason the world doesn't understand you, is because it has has nothing to do with the world. In the world, everybody votes for everything. But in God, it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. Jesus didn't get voted in. He can't get voted out. When you become a son or daughter in God, you've got to, number one, quit arguing with him about it. You fall, get back up, but, 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 but quit arguing with yourself about what God has already said to you. Number two, you gotta, you got to start getting comfortable with the world not being comfortable with you. That doesn't mean that we, like, all right, so let me just give you a couple of scriptures that I've seen misused. The Bible says we're a peculiar people. That's very, that's very accurate. The Bible is very accurate. We don't, like, have to go try to be more weird. Like, we're peculiar anyway. We believe that God, who we do not see right now, is working behind the scenes. That's peculiar to somebody who doesn't know him. We believe that the blood shed by somebody 2,000 years ago pays the price for our sins. That's a little bit peculiar. We believe that he rose from the dead three days later and defeated the strength of death, hell, and the grave over our life. That's a little bit peculiar. We believe that he walked with the disciples for about 40 days and then ascended into heaven and floated up into the clouds while speaking to them and angels showed up. That's a little bit peculiar. We don't have to go try to be more weird. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) I'm just trying to be peculiar. Praise the Lord. He didn't say you were going to try to be. He said you are. You're just, you're, just, you're just peculiar. It's a unique scenario to serve God. It really is. But at the end of it all, like for you and for me, we still have the responsibility to reach, to reach the lost. We can't just go live on Christian private island. It does sound pretty good, though. We can't just go live. We got too much to do. We got, we got, we got too many people that don't know him. It's like we're walking around with barrels full of living water and we're, 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 we're getting up under the spout and it's just pouring out in our barrel and it's pouring all over us and we're enjoying it and we don't even realize the reason he said that he was going to bless you more than you could receive is so that you could put something on somebody else. Like that's the whole point of the kingdom. It's for it to grow and expand by loving people and pointing them to... Number three. Make the right call. Because there's some things that he calls. He 
calls you the righteousness of God in Christ. He calls you a son or daughter. But then he authorizes you to make calls. And he says in Proverbs 18 that the power, somebody say power, of life and death is in your tongue. It's what you say. And your relationships, you keep speaking death into your relationships, your relationship's going to die. I'm not here mad at anybody. I'm just reading the Bible out loud. You got to start making the right call. If your finances look like a, 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 a bag of busted rocks, you got to start making some of the right calls. You got to start saying, okay, God, what do you really, what, what's your Bible say about finances? What does it really say? Because you'll always hear preachers talking about tithe and offering, right? I mean, all the time. But the Bible says a lot more than that. It talks about not co-signing for all your family. It talks about being a good steward with your resources. In other words, if your budget to eat out is $40 a week, listen, you can't go to Christopher's every other day. You can't even go to McDonald's every other day for that. <laughs> not anymore. Being a good steward. You find out what it says, and you start making the right call. The more wisdom we have, the fewer miracles we need. Oh, we still need the miracles of God. But when you begin to apply God's principles in your life and His precepts in your life, now all of a sudden you start living and walking in the promises, and now all of a sudden your prayers begin to change because instead of praying, Oh, God, how am I going to pay my light bill? You say, Oh, God, how am I going to pay off my mama's house? And all the mamas said, glory to God. I knew that was a good preacher. I'm going to go to the tape table. I'm going to send that tape to my son tonight. You heard the preacher. Pay your mama's house off. <laughs> We're about to have an altar call. All the mamas believe in God for the kids to pay that. Get up here right now. Glory to God. Pay it off. I start making some of the right calls. You got to forgive even when it's not comfortable. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says even heathens love people that love them. So you didn't do anything when you love somebody that loves you. Can you love somebody that hates you? Can you love somebody that did you wrong? Can you love somebody that talked about you? Can you love somebody that says something about you? Because here's the thing. If you can do that, now you're really acting like Jesus. You start making that kind of call, you're going to start seeing Jesus's, the, the results that Jesus got. You're going to start seeing people come to you and say, hey, I don't understand, man. I, I wish I hadn't said it. I remember I've been in church a long time. I'm 422 years old. Don't I look good? I've been in church a long time. And I remember one particular time I was in church. And this guy had a problem with me, me and another guy. This guy had a problem with two guys. And I didn't even know I'd done anything. And all I would have done is apologize. And I started hearing all these things that he was calling me and saying about me. Because my friends were coming up to me saying, hey, man, I probably shouldn't say this, but. And I'm sitting there going, I wish you just would just shut up, you know. Like, I don't even want to know. If, if that's the start of it, I don't even want to know, you know. And they was, I don't want to say this, but. They called you a. A blankety blank, 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 blank. And I was like, that is a lot of adjectives. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I thought, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to love that guy. Amen. 
One of my friends said to me, he said, he ought to go to another church. I said, if there was a better church in town, I'd be there. So I obviously think this is the best church in town. It wasn't here, by the way. Even though I do think this is the best church in town. But I remember thinking, I, I, I was like, man, if there was a better church, it's where I'd be. Like, my presence is my vote. <laughs> I think it's the best church in town. So I don't want this guy to go to a place that I don't think people are going to love him. I want him to come here. And just because he hurt me, that doesn't authorize me to hurt him. I don't see that in the Bible. So every time I see him, what's up, man? How you doing? Every time, just like, oh, bless you. You ever have somebody give you a God bless you, you know it's a lie? <laughs> bless you. That's more of that bless them out. I never even heard of that. I don't know where that came from, bless them out. I'm going to bless them out. That sounded like a good thing. Then I saw it happen. It's not a good thing. <laughs> Every time I say, what's up, man? Finally, one day, he stopped me. He said, man, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's up? He said, man, I said some things about you. I said, that's cool. He goes, no, it's not. I said, this, 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 this. I said, I didn't know you said all that. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm sorry. He said, I was completely wrong. I said, well, I said, I don't know, you know. I never meant to hurt your feelings. And if I did, I apologize. He goes, man, you don't have anything to apologize about. He said, I just want you to know I was wrong. It wasn't long after this guy went through major tragedy and the church wrapped him in loving arms and helped him through it same thing New Heights Church would do with you and I remember thinking man I'm so glad I didn't try to push this guy out because if that would have happened and he didn't have the people of God to love on him it would have still been hard but it, it was still hard with the people of God but it would have been nightmarish without because the truth of it is for you and for me we can't get to the place where we start making the wrong call just because our perspective has changed oh I'll forgive them if they do it to you but if they do it to me here's how, here's how, here's how we say it they better not say that to me because I'll tell them what I'm thinking that's probably the most unchristian comment you can make. Wait a minute, preacher. I thought we were talking about heaven and hell. We are. We're talking about you being conduit that God can work through to get somebody else out of hell's grip and into heaven's glory. How do we go to that next level? We start, we start by calling the right names. I'm, I'm, you, might, you might, you know what? You might not like me. You might say something, but I'm just going to believe God that he said I'm a son or daughter, and that's what I'm going to stick with. And when somebody begins to talk to you, that's what you're telling the mirror. You said, no, don't you listen to that. That Bible tells you who you are. Nobody else has the authority to call you. Your father has the authority to call you, and he called you his child. And then we got to quit getting, like, shocked. That was a little feminine. I just want to. I just want to clarify. I'm gonna give y'all a new one. We get like shocked. We're gonna cut that from the tape. <laughs> we get shocked 
get shocked when the world doesn't understand us. When it says they're not going to understand you because they didn't understand me. It's what Jesus said. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand. So what happens is we got to be patient until the scales come off. Then they get the revelation of who Jesus is. And now all of a sudden they become your partner at arms instead of at arms against you. It's the most beautiful thing ever. But it starts with Christians acting like Christians. Stand to your feet, please. I'm about done teaching we got to make the right call. Stop calling yourself less than when God calls you more than. Stop calling yourself worthless. The price or the value of something is determined by what somebody is willing to pay for it. If you think your house is worth $200,000, but nobody will pay more than $150,000, your house is worth $150,000. Because that's what somebody's willing to pay. That's what sets the value. So you might feel less than, but your value has already been determined by what was willing to be paid for you. The blood of the only son of the living God. That was the price. So when you start talking about yourself in an adverse way, you're devaluing what he put the highest value on. He considers you family. And it's a free opportunity, but it's not cheap. I could buy you a a box of Cracker Jacks and give them to you for free. And they're free and they're cheap. I could buy you a new Cadillac and give it to you. And it's free, but it wasn't cheap. still had to be paid for. Don't devalue yourself when God's not devaluing you. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. If you're here today, you're not right with God. You're not living right. You're not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of your life. Or maybe you would say it differently. You say, you know what, preacher? I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. Something happened and I'm out of relationship with him. I feel as though I'm far from him when I just want to be close to him. If that's you and you're here, you say, I've never given my life to Jesus or I know I need to give my life back to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around. I would never want to embarrass you, but I do want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus today. If that's you, when I count to three, just lift your hand super tall. With an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh God, remember me. And he really, really will. One, two, three, lift your hand. Lift them high. I see that hand. 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 Praise the Lord. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? I don't want to rush this moment. Specifically, you say, you know what? I used to have a, 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 a fire-hot relationship with God, but I've drifted away. I sense the Lord calling you even now. And just with a simple act of obedience, He says, you know what, Lord? I just want to start fresh. I feel like today is my, my restart. Today is the day when I sense that tide turning, God just changing the situation. If that's you and you say, no, I really 
want to recommit today, if that's you, just lift your hand. One, two, three, lift it high. There you are. Thank you. There you are. Thank you. There you are. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Ushers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, if you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me from the bottom of your heart. The whole church is going to help us pray. Say this. Say, say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I turn from sin and I turn to you. I'm a Christian now. You call me your son or daughter and I believe you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. Come on, give him a big hand of praise. Somebody shout unto God. If you gave your heart to Jesus, you got to make sure. Be here as often as you can. Stop by the light wall. Let us get some resources to you after service. Also, if you're here today, you've never joined our church. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've been coming for weeks, but you've never joined our church. But you know this is the house for you. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says those that are in partner... Ship with a ministry like this are partakers of every grace that's on this house. That means when one person gets saved, that you're a partner with that. It means that the grace that's on this house comes on your house. Grace of health, healing, prosperity, joy, all these different things come on your house. The Bible also says that we've got to be planted if we want to grow. When you choose to get planted, it doesn't matter how big the oak tree is, if it gets uprooted, it's going to die. You've got to be planted to grow. So if you're here and you say, man, I want to join this church. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It's not a 12-step program. It's no big deal. I'm not going to call you to the front. It's no big deal to, uh, on how to do it. But uh, I'm not going to call you to the front or embarrass you. But if you're here today, you know this is the place for you. Sense the presence of God when you're here. And you know God's calling you to this house. When I count to three, just lift your hand. We're going to give you a big round of applause and celebrate that decision with you. If that's you and you want to join the church today, when I count to three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand real tall. Give my hand, y'all. Praise God. God bless you. Way to go. Anybody else? Praise the Lord over here. Wonderful decision. God is for you. Anybody else before we finish up? Listen, I'm going to pray for you guys. It's a phenomenal decision. If it's your first time here or you're joining the church, I'm going to be right up here by these stairs after service. I would love to say hi for you for uh, hi to you for just a second. Also, don't forget, text N2N to the number 313131 to be at our New to New Heights. That's where all of our uh, new members, if you've been coming to our church for a while, that's where we get together. You learn a little bit more about the church and you find out how you plug in and connect. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. Somebody say amen to that. Let's all lift your hands. Let me pray a blessing. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, those who are joining the church today, I pray a supernatural blessing on them. I thank you for increasing them. I thank you, Lord God, that they're a partner and a partaker with every grace that's on this house. I pray, Lord God, for increase on their home. Now, for each one of us, Lord, let us make the right calls in our life. Let us be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessed going out. Let your word be the deciding factor in our life this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. 
If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.